Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online and Happy New Year. It's so good to be with you here right at the beginning of 2024 and uh, I look forward to another good year of sharing the Word of God with you and uh, and my wife, she'll be, uh, she'll be teaching as well on Wednesday nights. I think coming up this next Wednesday, she's going to get back to it. We've her and I took a break uh, from last Thanksgiving until now. Just needed some time off and and uh, just enjoying the, uh, the Christmas season. And and uh, but now it's time to get back to the Word of God and and teaching the Word of God. Of course, you know we spend time with the Lord during the time we take off. We just took off from teaching, but now we're going to get back to it and share the Word of God with you throughout. Uh, 2024 and uh, and my wife and I we look forward to it again it's an honor to be able to share the word of God with you so uh, today being the first uh, session that I'm teaching here in 2024 the first the first uh, message of 2024 I want to talk to you today about the importance of first things so we could title this message first things first and so with that in mind go to Matthew the uh, sixth chapter and look at the 33rd verse the Lord Jesus said but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you and the things he's talking about there are the necessities of life and so you know it's important that we that we seek God first and if we'll seek him first and, and really go after him and, and, and study his word and pray and, 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 and put him first in our life. I tell you what, he'll see to it that your needs are met. Notice Proverbs, the, uh, the eighth chapter, Proverbs, the eighth chapter, uh, verse 17 says, uh, God says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early, or we could say seek me first, shall find me. And then he goes on to say, and, and, and I like to say this, you know, he, he said those that seek me early, or, or we could say seek me first, early and first, it kind of means the same thing. Those that seek me early shall find me. I tell you what, find in God. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I, I mean, seeking God and going after him, uh, you know, and that's what Jesus said we should do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The necessities of life will be added to us. He, he says those that seek me early or seek me first will find me. I, I like to say it like this. I heard a minister say this years ago. He said we need to seek God early so we don't mess up late. And I, well, I heard that years ago and that just stuck with me. I, I like that when he said that, uh, this man of God, he said that years ago. And when I was a kid, I heard him say it. He said, we seek God early so we don't mess up late. You know, think about that. And if we just seek God first, seek him early, I tell you, we'll find him. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. He'll direct us. And if we'll follow him, we won't mess up late. And I like that. But he says, I love them that love me. Those that seek me early or seek me first shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Uh, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Uh, yea, than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver. I tell you what, it, 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 it pays to seek God. He will bless you if you will seek him. But Put him first. That's the emphasis of today's message, putting God first, seeking him first. And if we'll seek God first and put him first, he'll meet our needs. We'll have the necessities of life. And I tell you what, he'll he'll bless you on beyond that and, 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 and he'll prosper you. He really, really will. But we have to keep him first in our lives and seek him first. You know, the first commandment, think of the Ten Commandments. Think about the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. The first commandment tells us to keep God first. You know, it, 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 the, it, the Bible says, or the, the, the Ten Commandments state, the first one, you can read it in Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. So that's another way of saying we need to keep God first. Keep God first. You'll have no other gods 
before me. And that's what the Lord wants us to do is to keep him first. And as I've already said, the Bible said, Jesus said, it, it, it pays to keep God first. But you'll have no other gods before me. First commandment is to keep God first. The first of the Ten Commandments tells us to keep God first. Now, you can test yourself. You can test yourself as to, and I, you know, I taught uh, mathematics for a lot of years, and, and uh, I always like to give uh, students, you know, tests, and, uh, and I'd always encourage them to test themselves, you know, give them a little self-test. And, and, you know, we ought to do that as we, as we walk with the Lord, give, give ourselves some tests, test ourselves, in some areas, and you can test yourself as to whether or not you're keeping God first by observing some things about the way you conduct yourself. And one of the ways you can see if you're keeping God first is how do you treat his house? How do you treat what he's interested in? You know, it's real easy for for people to say, well, you know, for Christians to say, oh yeah, I'm keeping God first. I, you know, <laughs> I've listened to lots of Christians, multitudes of Christians say to me, oh, Pastor Terry, I'm keeping God first. He's first in my life. First, he's, he's number one in my life. <laughs> but, but when you watch him and you look at him over time and observe him over time, he, he God isn't first on the list. He, he might be third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, but he's not first on the list. You say, no, well, Pastor Terry, you, you might say, how, how can you tell that? Well, just watch how people treat the house of God. Watch how they treat the house of God. How do they conduct their, themselves toward the house of God? You know, if somebody came over to my house and they came in and they started, you know, being disrespectful to it, you know, and, and, you know, and kicking things around or writing on the wall or whatever, you know, uh, that wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be respecting my house. And so in that way, they wouldn't be respecting me if they did that to my house when they came over, you know, and if they treated, came into my house and they respected my house, well, then they, that, that would be a way of respecting me. And so, the way you, what I'm trying to say is the way you treat the house of God tells, tell, can tell a lot about, about where you're, you're, you're putting God in your life as far as is he first? Is he, is he second? Is he third? Well, one way you can tell if, if he's first in your life is how do you treat his house? And it's interesting. In Acts, the 20th chapter, verse 7, the Bible says now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. So apparently, as I've studied the Bible, the, the New Testament church or the early church of the New Testament, they met on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. And, and if you look at you know the history of the church, typically the church would meet on Sundays. Now, the church can meet other times, certainly. You know, at Summit Church, we, we met Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and had the public assembly and some churches do Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night and, and, and it, it just depends on the church. But most all churches, you know this as well as I do, that the main service is Sunday morning. And that's, the, that's just the way it's, it's always been. And it goes all the way back into, in, into the, the, the early church, you know, they're, they're in the book of Acts. And the first thing that the, the people did on the first day of the week is they got up and they went to church. They honored the house of God. And in so doing that, by the way they showed honor to the house of God, that, that, that was showing that they honored God. Again, you can see if you're honoring God by the way you honor his house. And, and you know, I've watched it over the years, people that have God first place in their life, one thing they do is, is on the first day of the week, they, they go to the house of God and they honor him. They worship him and praise him and, and study his word, listen to his word being preached and so forth. And, uh, but you see in the United States anymore over the last many, many years, better than a decade, probably now it's going on two decades, more or less. If you've ever noticed, I mean, I mean, when I was growing up, <laughs> as a kid back in the in the in the 70s uh, you know i mean on sunday morning if you went out on sunday morning i mean it was deader than a doornail what i mean by that is the the uh, 
uh, st stores were closed, uh, <laughs> gas stations were closed. I mean, everything was shut down in, 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 honor, in honor of the Lord's Day. And I tell you what, it's anything but that right now. I mean, you go out on the Sunday here in the United States, it's no different really than any other day of the week. The shopping malls are open, the gas stations are open, everything's open. And, and you know, even even uh, children's activities. You know, used to be when I was growing up, we didn't, we didn't have Little League on Sunday. I mean, we had it every other day of the week, but we didn't have it on Sunday. Never. I mean, never. That was, we didn't do that on Sunday. That was, the, you know, set aside as the Lord's Day. But now, over the last decade or so, more or less, I mean, even on Sunday mornings, you know, uh, you'll, you'll have, you'll have little league activities and all that going on on Sundays. Now, I'm not against, you know, children being involved in things. I think it's good when children are involved in school activities and, and in, in Cory League and Little League and all these other things. I think that is fantastic. But I think we do children a disservice when, when on Sunday mornings we're get, you know, getting up and going to the Little League game. What are you te instead of going to the house of God, what are you teaching the little kids? Well, you're teaching them that God's not first. You're teaching them that Little League's first or these other, other activities are first and not God. No, I think we ought to teach kids on Sunday morning, get up, go to the house of God. <laughs> and, and, and again, you can know whether or not God is first place in your life by how you treat his house and, and what he's interested in and his work. And you get, you get up on Sunday morning and go to the Little League or whatever else instead of the house of God what are you showing? You're showing that God's not really first place in your life. And that if you're doing that with your children and taking them to Little League and all of these other things on Sundays instead of the house of God, well, what are you teaching them? Well, that God's not first, okay? And, and God needs to be first. So you judge yourself in that if, if or test yourself. And if you've been messing up, the Bible says if we judge ourselves, we not be judged. So repent and, and get it straight. What do you say? Okay. Uh, now, notice, go to the book of Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I is how you spell it. It's a book in the Old Testament, Old Testament prophet, Haggai, or Haggai, however you want to say it. I'm glad I'm not named that, but Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, I, I'm going to read some verses here from the New Living Translation about a people uh, in the Old Testament, God's people, that they didn't keep God first. And, and you can see it by the way they treated his house. Notice this. In Haggai chapter 1, going to read several verses in the New Living Translation. Let's start with uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Then the Lord sent his message through the prophet Haggai. And here's what he said. Why are you living in luxurious, luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? See, you study the Bible. God has no problem with you having a luxurious house. He just doesn't want you to leave his house unattended. Do you get that? God has no problem with you having a luxurious house. He just doesn't want you to leave his house unattended. And that's what these people were doing. This is uh, what the Lord says in verse 5. Look what's happening to you. You've planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're, you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says. Look at what's happening to you. Verse 8. Now go up uh, into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I'll take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hope for rich harvest, but uh, they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? And then he said, the Lord says, why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord. See, these people were not treating the Lord, uh, treating the house of God. They were not treating the house of the Lord the way that they should have been. They were taking care of their own houses and their own things. And it's sure we need to take care of our house and our own things. Yes, but we need to take care of God's house first. I learned this a long time ago as a kid. If you'll take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. Okay. And I'm not saying that you don't have to do things in your house. That's not what, that's not what I'm saying. I, mean, I have to cut the grass and we have to I have, you know, vacuum the floor, do the dishes. And my wife, she does what she does and all that I'm talking about 
you know, keeping importance placed on the house of God and keeping it first. And if you'll keep his house first, I tell you what, he'll take care of your house. I mean, I mean, he'll, I mean, the necessities of what your house needs, he'll see to it that, 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 that you have the means and the wherewithal to have those and he'll not only meet your needs, but he'll run you over and bless you. Glory to God and prosper you. But these people were taking care of their own stuff, their own house, and they were neglecting completely the house of God. See, test yourself. How are you treating the house of God? If you're keeping his house first, well, then you're keeping him first. But again, a lot of people say, oh, I'm keeping God first, Pastor Terry. But then they so dishonor the house of God. Well, what does that say? You know, they're not really keeping God first. They may be in word, but they're certainly not in deed. And actions speak louder than words. So he, he says... Uh, here in verse 9, you hope for rich harvest, but they were poor. When you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. See, and he was upset with that. Not that he didn't want them to have fine houses. He just didn't want them to leave his house undone. And then verse 10, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I've called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all the other crops, a drought to, to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you've worked so hard to get. Wow. Now, why did God do that? That's not what he wanted to do, but they weren't keeping him first. And this is the result. And so if you've been, you know, bringing in like your wages and, and, and there's, what is it? There's more month than at the, there's more month than there is money or something like that. You, in other words, you get to the end of the month, you run out of money and there's still days left in the month. Well, you're in trouble. And, and if, if you're, you know, like, like what, what did he say here? Your, uh, your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets with holes. If, if that's you, well, hey, Judge, if that's you, test yourself and see if you're keeping God first or not. Check out the way you're treating his house. And if you're, if you're getting wages and you're putting them in the pocket, it's like holes are in your pocket. Uh, you know, more than likely, you may well not be keeping the house of God first. If you're not keeping God first. Test yourself. Are you keeping his house first? If you're keeping God first, I tell you, tell you what, he has a way of being sure that when you put your money in your pocket, there's no holes in there, you see. But uh, these people were not honoring the house of God. They weren't keeping his house first. Thus, they weren't keeping him first. And so all the stuff that they did, you know, it was just, well, he, it was coming to naught. And God, you could even see the judgment of God in here on these people. And uh, that's not what God wants to do. But but if we won't keep him first, you know, that's that's what happens. So anyway, uh, a word to the wise should be sufficient, as the old saying goes. So test yourself. Uh, how are you treating his house? And if, if you're keeping his house first, then you're keeping him first and then things will go well for you. But if you're not, if you're not keeping his house first, you're not keeping him first. And uh, I tell you what, it'd be a tough road to hoe for you. It really, 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 really will. And also, too, while we're on this, you can also test yourself as to whether or not you're keeping God first by observing how you treat money. <laughs> how you treat money. We're talking about first things here today. Are you keeping God first? He wants you to keep him first. And, uh, you know, we talked about how you treat the house of God, but how do you treat money? How do you handle money, and particularly as it pertains to the things of God? Now, if you look at Mark, the 10th chapter, if you look at Mark, the 10th chapter, there's this young man came to Jesus. He's known as the rich young ruler. And in Mark 10, verse 17, it says, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and, and said, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good, but one that is God. And, and, you know, of course, the thing here is, is he saw Jesus only as a good teacher and not as God. So that was, that, Jesus is God. So that was much we could teach about this, but let, let, let's just go on here. He, he says then verse 19, 
because this kid wants to know how to inherit eternal life. And then verse 19, Jesus says, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Uh, uh, he says, honor your father and mother and so forth. And the kid says, the young man says, he says to Jesus, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, loved him. And Jesus loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go sell whatever you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And if you think about it, this young man, he, he thought he had kept all. Now, now we could teach, I could teach on this for hours, but, but for the point of this lesson, this young man, he thought he had kept all the commandments and he hadn't kept the first one. And what was the first, what is the first commandment? I just told you a few moments ago. It's to keep God first. And this young man wasn't keeping God first. His money was first place in his life. And you know why that is? You know how you can tell if money's first place in your life or if God is more important to you than, I'm sorry, if money is more important to you than God is if God directs you to give it away and you can't do it. Now, I stumbled my words there a little bit, so let me go back and restate that so I get it straight here. This young man thought he had kept all the commandments. And when you get right down to it, you know, he had kept the first one. And the first one is uh, to keep God first. And this young man wasn't keeping God first. His money was first. And the reason we know that his money was first was because Jesus told him to give it away and he couldn't do it. And how can you know? And it said he had great possessions. Uh, but actually those great possessions, I like what one minister said, though, he, he didn't really have great possessions. Those great possessions had him. And, and, and one way you can tell, you know, there's nothing wrong with having money, but it is wrong when money has you. And one way you could tell, the main way you could tell if money has you, <laughs> is if God, now I didn't say if the pastor or the minister or the TV preacher, but if God directs you and speaks to your heart to give it away or to do something or other with it and you can't or won't do it, then then you don't have money, it has you. And if God directs you to do it and you can't do it, if he directs you to give money away or something like that and you can't do it, well then you don't have the money, the money has you and that money's more important to you than God. And if that's the case, then then God's not first in your life. The money is. So test yourself. Has God asked you to do something with your with your money and you're you're not able to do it or you won't do it or can't do it? You can't release it. Well, if that's the case, then you've just found out that God's not first place in your life. So examine yourself, test yourself and hey, judge yourself and repent and get it right. Get, get God back up there first on the list. But this young man, see, he, uh, uh, again, he thought he'd kept all the commandments, but it came right down to it. He hadn't even kept the first one. Now, much we could say about it, but there again, he, he wasn't keeping God first. His money was first. And, uh, and, he, and he walked away from Jesus. He walked away from Jesus. See, he wanted eternal life. Jesus is the only way to eternal life through faith in him. He walked away from eternal life because of his money. Now, you think about that. And, uh, and, and if you read on, you know, Jesus talks about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are astonished at that. At that. And Jesus, he, he clarified and he said, Putting it in my own words, it's not the it's not it's not that the money's the issue. It's the trusting in it, the trusting in the riches, and that's what this man was doing. Again, there's nothing wrong with having money, but it is wrong when you trust in it. And so many people trust in riches, they trust in money, and, and they wind up in hell. They do because it distracts them from 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 turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, again, nothing wrong with having money. And, and if you read uh, that, that story of the rich man and, uh, and Lazarus, you see in that story, Abraham, he was in paradise. 
uh, or we could say heaven. And, and he was one of the richest men that ever lived, Abraham. So he, he, he's, he's in heaven. But the Bible said that he believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness. See, Abraham had money, but money didn't have him. And he believed God and he made heaven, you see. But, uh, and by the way, keeping all the commandments and all that, that we need to do that, but that can't save us anyway. It's faith in Jesus. But, but the point here is, see, nothing wrong with having riches, but it is wrong when riches have you. And like I said, there's a lot of rich people in heaven. Absolutely. Because they had money and you serve God, he'll prosper you. He takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servant. You serve him, you keep him first and he will bless you financially. He really, really will. But I tell you what, don't let that money ever become first place to you. I know of a lot of people who start out with nothing and they served God. They put him first. God blessed them. And then all of a sudden that money became more important to them than God. And it cost them. It really, really, really it cost them. So we got to be careful about money and watch money. But you can tell a lot about where you are with God and how important he is to you and, and whether or not he's first place by how you treat money. And, you know, <laughs> you know, if the Lord directs you to give money away or to do something rather with it, if you, if you can't do it, then then you don't have the money so much as the money has you. And certainly it's more important to you than, than, than the Lord. And, and it's, it ranks higher on the list than God does if he directs you to do something with it and you, and you can't. So uh, I think you get what I'm saying here. I trust, but watch how you treat the house of God. Watch how you treat money because by it, you can test yourself and see if God is really first on, you know, if he's really first in your life. Now look along these same lines, go to Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first, see we're talking about first things here today, and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I mean, that that's indica- indicative of the blessing of God. See, he doesn't want to just meet your necessities. He will meet your needs and necessities. He wants to overflow you. He really does. And see, God wants you blessed. He just, he just doesn't want that blessing to get a hold of you and control you and become more important to you than he is, you see. He wants to be first and he should be first. But honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And people have asked me about that over the years. And I could teach messages on first fruits and have over the many years. But for the sake of this message, I just believe that any time we're increased, we increase, that we should take the first of that, the first part of that. And I believe the first tenth. I believe in tithing. I, I, I think you believe, I think you see, I believe in tithing. I think you see tithing all the way through the Bible, Old Testament and new. I really, really do. And someday I may just teach a, teach a message about tithing. I, I, I've said very little about it over, over the years. I have taught on it, but maybe not as much as I should have, but I believe in it. And, and I've done it since I've been, 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 been very young and, uh, done it. My wife and I all these years and, uh, uh, I believe you see the principle of it in the Old Testament and, and, and in the New Testament. And I believe that, uh, the first part of, of anything we increase, that, that 10% of that should go to the Lord. And, and I tell you what, if we'll do that, the book of Malachi says if we'll do that, he'll, I mean, if we don't do that, the Bible says that, that he accounts us as, as, as a God robber, as a thief. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be accounted by God as a thief. I mean, you know, the, the, the first part, the tenth, the first tenth, the first tenth belongs to him. Absolutely. Actually, it all belongs to him. He allows us to keep 90%. He, re, he requires 10. So where should I put that 10%? Where the Lord directs you to put it, someplace where he has set his name and someplace that he's directed you to, to put it. it actually, the, the Bible talks about the storehouse. I believe you ought to tithe into the church 
where you attend and where you are fed spiritually. That, that's what I, what I think. And uh, I, I tell you what, my wife and I have done it all these years. And, and, and as we've done it, God has opened the windows of heaven. He's poured us out a blessing. We've not have room to, we haven't had room to contain it. It's just all wonderful. And, uh, you know, and, and I tell you what, you know, now a lot of preachers will come and they'll say, well, if you don't tithe, God's going to beat you over the head. Now, I don't preach it that way, but here's, here's what I say. If you won't, if you don't tithe and honor God, he's not going to get involved in your finances. <laughs> and, and, and you want God involved in your finances. You really, really do. I had one guy come to me one day as a rich man, rich man. And uh, he was at that time and he came to me and he said, actually, he, I, he attended service on a day when I was teaching on giving and tithing. I taught it very little over the years, but but because I didn't teach on it more because I did. I don't want to get, you know, I, I don't want to be numbered with the, the money bilkers, you know. So so I, I haven't said much about money over the years and God has met every need wonderfully. So but there's a guy there in the service one day and he would attend church periodically and, and <laughs> he was related to somebody that attended regularly and he he came to me after service one day and, and he said uh he said pastor terry and he's a very nice guy he said pastor terry i want to tell you something privately he said i don't tithe he said no, i don't tithe and i never have tithe and uh he said when i come to church this is the only church I ever go come to i come to to visit my my parents uh, occasionally I'll come here. He said when the offering bucket goes by, he said I'll put in a fifty or a hundred. But he said, he said, but I don't I don't tithe, never have. And uh, he said, but I'm but he said he said I'm still a millionaire. How do you explain that? And it just on the inside of me, the Lord gave this to me. It just came out of me, and I said, well, I said think of it this way. I said, you're a millionaire and you hadn't given anything to God hardly at all. I said, just what, just think all you could have if you were a tither to give her. <laughs> he got, he kind of, and he went on his way, you know, and, uh, and I don't think he ever started tithing or anything like that because, uh, money had him. He didn't have, have money. He had a lot of money, but it had him and, and he, on down the road, he lost a lot of it too, but he should have let God in his finances. See, he, see, if you won't be a tither, God's not going to get into your finances. He, he just let you alone. And, 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 uh, I want God in my finances. I really, really do. And if we'll do that, boy, he'll, he'll overflow us and, and, and bless us. And, 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 you know, think about tithing, you know, like, like the one preacher said, you know, you know, it all belongs to God. He allows us to keep 90%. He requires 10. And, and I'd rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed hundred, wouldn't you? Because if we keep that, if, if we, if we say we want the 90%, but we also want that 10%, we also want that 10%. Well, then we are under a curse. We bring a curse on ourselves. And, and, and I tell you what, I would rather have a blessed, not a blessed God. I'd rather have the blessing of God on 90% than a curse on a hundred percent. And I also have noticed this too. <laughs> if you won't give God what's his, the devil is going to get what's yours. Now I heard a minister say that years ago and boy, that stuck with me also. If you won't give God what's his, the devil is going to get what's yours. Absolutely the truth. What are we talking about? Keeping God first. And so if we'll honor him with the first fruits, the first, you know, the, the first of all of our increase, I believe it's the first tenth. That's what I think, you know, that's what I believe. And that's what we've done over all the years. And, and the proof of the pudding's in the eating. God's blessed, blessed my wife and I. And so, uh, uh, and I mean, you see, but you see the principle of tithing throughout the Bible. I could give you many instances. I mean, you go to the Garden of Eden. You know, he, the Lord said, of all of, he told Adam and Eve, you know, he told Adam, I guess, and then, then Eve too, he said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat all, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll not eat of it. For in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. See, there was a curse on that if they ate of it. They could eat all the other ones that couldn't eat of that one. If you think about the, the, when Joshua, led the children of Israel into, into the promised land. You know, that first city they came up on was Jericho. And God told them, he said, now that first city, all the treasure in there, 
It belongs in the treasury of the Lord. Don't touch any of that. Now, all the other cities, they could have the treasury from all the other cities that they conquered. But that first one, see, we're talking about first things. That first one belonged to God. I remember that man named Achan. He went in there and he, he took some of the, 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 the treasury of Jericho and he hid it among his stuff. I tell you what, it brought, it caused, it, well, it brought a curse. And he, him and his family wound up dying and, it, and then they lost the battle of Ai and then God spoke to Joshua and, and told them where the problem was and then Achan was judged and dealt with, him and his family, and then they went into Ai and had that victory. And, but, but nonetheless, you know, you know, we need to give God what, 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 he, what he requires. And, and he, you know, we give him the first and then we keep all the rest and his blessing will be on it. Absolutely, but we need to keep God first. And I tell you what, if you're not a tither, I'll just say this very boldly. You, that, that tells me that God's not first in your life. He just isn't. You know, I, I like what one preacher said years ago. He said, I heard him say it. He said, uh, all, all you need to do to see if God's first place in your life is go look at your checkbook. <laughs> And see where the money's going. And you know, it's true because he was quoting Jesus. He said, Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Now, a lot of people quote that the other way to say, well, well, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. But you, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, wherever you're putting your money, that's where your heart is. So, hey, <laughs> go look at your checkbook. You see, I, I mentioned it, all these preachers. I'm laying it off on all these other preachers. I heard these, all these other preachers say it over the years. These things, a lot of these things aren't original with me at all. So if you get mad, get mad at them. You know, <laughs> get mad at me at the things I'm saying. But if you get mad at me, well, so be it. It's all true anyway. Glory to God. I believe what I'm telling you. And so, uh, yeah, look at your checkbook. You can find out real quick or your credit card statement or whatever, you know, however you do, do delve out your, your money. And you can see real fast where what's in, the most important to you in your life. You see, where's the money going? And uh, But anyway, if we'll honor the Lord, like it said here in Proverbs 3, with the first fruits of all our increase, I mean, we'll be filled with plenty. The vats will overflow there'll be provision and more than enough you go to first kings the 17th chapter first Kings 17 we're going to look at elijah and the widow and uh <laughs> and and uh first Kings 17 verse 9 the word of the lord comes to elijah said arise go to zarephath which belongs aside and dwell there i've commanded a widow there to provide for you think about that a widow to provide for you he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as he was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God, as the Lord, uh, your God lives, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, uh, go and do as, as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. <laughs> there it is, first. Give the man of God, give it to him first. You can tell how you feel about God, not only by the way you treat his house, by the way you handle money, but also by the way you treat his servants. I mean, for real servants of God, people that God has really put his hand on and called into the ministry. I'm talking not about charlatans now or somebody that thinks they're called or that kind of thing. But I'm talking about real men and women of God who God has put his hand on and called into the ministry. And they're really serving God with these ministers are serving God with a good and right heart. We can we can tell how you feel about God and where God is on your list. By looking at how you treat his house, how you treat money, and how you treat his servants. Absolutely. In the Old Testament, God would send the prophets to him, and they'd, they'd stone him or kill him. Well, what were they saying? They were saying God wasn't first in their life. They thought he was, but they, but, but he wasn't. Because they were, were, they were treating his servants with disdain. But anyway, he says here in verse 13, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. See, now a lot of people jump on that and say, Well, that, that preacher there was just trying to get that woman's 
you know, get her money and get her possessions. And well, you know, sad to say, there are a lot of charlatans in the land. I've been observing them from the time I was a kid. I call them money bilkers and all they're trying to do is get your money. But you can trace that all the way back into the days of the, the the book of Acts. You see it there. You see it in Paul's writings, warning against those charlatans. And you go back into the Old Testament. They were back there too. They've been around. But hey, hey, you know the quickest way to shut them down is stop, stop giving them money. <laughs> Just stop giving them money and seek the Lord and find out who he wants you to give to and give to those churches and ministries and keep those up and running. Can you say amen? But anyway... <laughs> If you'll, you know, but if you'll bring it to the to the house of God, bring it to the man of God, that, or the woman of God that God's put His hand on first. He said, "Bring it to me first. It's a spiritual principle, keeping God first. If you'll take care of, if you'll bless His house and take care of His servants, He'll take care of you. <laughs> Make it for me first. Bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel: The bin of flour shall not be used up." Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Because see, there was a famine going on. And she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and now watch this, she and her household ate for many days. Now you really study into that. It was it was quite a while. It wasn't just a couple of days, it was many days. It was quite some time. And it, it was only supposed to feed her and her son. Now you talk about a miracle there. Absolutely. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. See, she, she kept, she, she put the man of God first. I mean, a for real man of God now, not a charlatan, for real man of God kept him first. And you see, in that way, she was keeping God first by keeping his servant first. God takes it real personal how you treat his servants. And she took care of him <laughs> first. She was really put, by putting him first, she was really putting God first. Elijah wasn't God, but he was God's representative. You can test yourself, see where God is on your list by how you treat his house, how you handle money. <laughs> You know, and uh, how you treat his servants. She kept God first by keeping him first, his servant first, and God took care of her. And instead of dying, she ate for many, many days. But you know, it's not just a matter of giving God things first, but it's also giving him your best, your best. Look at Genesis chapter four. Uh, Notice verse 3, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain, remember Adam and Eve, they had Cain and Abel, you know, their, 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 their sons. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, or we could say the best. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. Now, we can talk a lot about this. Much could be said about it. But for the sake of time and the purpose of this message, why, why did God respect Abel and his offering and not Cain? Now, much could be said, but Abel brought the first and the best. See, it's, it's the first fruits. We talked about that, but it's just not the, we talked about the tenth, but it's not, it's not just the first. It, it's the best. And if we've got God first on our list, he's not only going to get the first, but he's also going to get our best. Absolutely the truth. And, and if you read in the New Testament, the New Testament sheds a little more light on this. Abel brought his first and best to God and he did it by faith. See, he did it by faith. Yeah, it doesn't take any faith to give God junk, <laughs> you know, but I tell you what, it takes faith to give God your first and your best. And you say, what do you mean give God? How do I give God something? Well, that which represents God. I know something about this because in pastoring a church, you know, people will come and they'll, they'll give things to the church or whatever. And I've watched this over the many years and, and, and I've watched people that, that had God first in their life and they would come and they'd give things to the church and they were generous. And I mean, because see, why, why were they able to do that? Because God was first in their life and they gave to the church. You see, that church represents, I'm talking about the church that, 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 that I pastored, you know, 
They're on Sugar Creek Road for almost 30 years. And people that had God first in their life, they would come and just be generous. But so many, <laughs> they'd come and they'd, they would bring junk and give it to God, you know, just, just, just their junk. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody in the church would need something, you know, a lot of times it just, I just, we just take it out of the general fund. If somebody faithful member that attended needs something, we just go, they needed a coat or they needed food or whatever. I just, I didn't even fool with receiving an offering. I just take them, we take the money out of the general fund and, and just buy them, you know, whatever they needed, whether it's clothes or food or whatever, you know, a utility bill or, you know, whatever it was. Rather than get up and beg people, I never have got up and begged anybody for a, for a nickel. And, you know, when the, God just blessed us. When the parking lot needed to be resurfaced, we're talking tens and tens of thousands of dollars. I didn't get up and receive no offering for that. We, we managed the money properly. God blessed us and there was always, there was always ample money. We just, we'd get the contractor and had it done first class. If the people drive on the parking lot, whoo, the parking lot's all brand new. We never said anything about offering or not. We just received the general tithes and offerings every week. One offering per service. No pressure. And I tell you what, the, there was always ample money to do whatever needed to be done. You know, whatever it was around the church. Glory to, to God. But people would come and they would just, uh, people that had God first place in their life and they would just be so generous. But other people, I mean, I mean, like my, like my mom used to say, they are so tight that when they walked, they squeaked. You know, I mean, they just so, this so tight. <laughs> and it got to a point, it just amused me. Some people just so tight. Yeah, like my mama would say, yeah, but they, they're so tight when they walk, when they walk, they squeaked. But you see, God wasn't first in their life. And so they were not generous to the house of God. But there's a lot of people, I mean, we had a whole lot of people that were just loved the Lord and kept God first. And they were just so generous and tithes and offerings and giving. And that's why we could do the things around the church and all the needs were blessed because God sent a lot of those people to our church. But, but every church has them too. You know, people that when they walk, they squeak. They're so tight. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I could tell you all kinds of stories about that, but uh, but but you see, people like that got—they're not rich toward God. If they're not rich toward God, they're not going to be rich toward anybody else. They're going to be a bunch of tight wads, and when they walk, they squeak. They're so tight. But uh, but Abel, he had faith, and those people don't have any faith either. You know, they may have enough faith to be saved, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, <laughs> But but it takes faith. Abel has he, he had faith because it takes faith to give God your first and your best. But I tell you what, you ought to go to Malachi, the first chapter sometime, and read about a people that 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 they didn't give God their first and their best. I mean, I can't resist. I was gonna let's just take a little bit of time. If I go too long, then just pause me. Watch me, turn me, turn me on later and catch me later. But, but let's read this. Malachi chapter one, verse six, New Living Translation. The Lord says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, now you think about that. Isn't that wrong? Well, yes, that's wrong. Blind animals. And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? See, now we don't offer animals today, but they did back there then. But what we might offer, a, you know, if somebody needs a coat, well, we'll give them a coat with one of our old coats with a hole in it <laughs> that we're never going to use anymore anyway. Well, why don't we just go to the store and buy them a nice new one and spend some money? And you know what I'm saying? If somebody needs a coat, you know, why, why, why do we want to give them our old junk? You know, church member, fellow church member needs a, needs a coat. Oh, well, let's just give them our old, old junk. You know, one we're never going to wear anymore that's got the malls in it. No, no, no. Go out to the store and buy them a brand new one. <laughs> but these people, 
They were giving the Lord to diseased animals. He said, try giving gifts like that to your governor, the Lord said, and see how pleased he is with it, (laughs) says the Lord. And go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should I show any favor at all, says the Lord? How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord, and I'll not accept your offerings. Now think about that. But uh, my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's, it, and then you say it, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. So what were these people doing? They were not giving God their first and their best. They were giving God their junk. And he wasn't pleased with it. And by doing that, they were showing that he was not first in their lives, that he was not pleased with it, and the blessing was not on them. So let's... Keep God first and we can know that we're doing that. We can test ourselves by giving him our first and our best. Okay. Now, let me close this message. And let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 2. And uh, there's seven churches mentioned in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. I want to look at the first one mentioned. And uh, John was on the Isle of Patmos. He'd been exiled there and Jesus appeared to him and, and so forth and gave him the book of Revelation and he gave him some messages for these seven churches. And, and notice here in Revelation chapter 2, we're talking about first things here. Watch this. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, to the angel or we could say to the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Now, Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Now, now remember that. And if you read the next couple of verses, Jesus had much good to say to this church. And we could teach a whole message just on, for hours, just on this one church. Okay, but, but for the sake of this message today, uh, much good said, but then in verse four, Jesus says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now, who is our first love? That's an easy question. It's Jesus. Now, here's a church. They had a lot of good things going on in it, all right. But in the midst of all these good things that you could read in in verse 2 and 3, he had this against them that they left their first love. Did you know you could be doing a lot of good things? You could even be, you could read it right there. You could even be spending time in the word of God. But, 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 but they lost their first love. We've got to keep, I mean, you know, you could be so busy. I know I've watched preachers do this and I've done this some over the years myself. I've had to repent. You could be so busy working for God that you, that, that he, that you're so busy working for him that you kind of lose your closest with him, if you will, or he's, he, he works his way out of that first and second position on the list. Now he's got to be first. He's got to be, we got to keep him first. And if he's first, we'll be working for him and all that. But we could get so busy working for him that that we that that other things become more important to us. Actually, the work we're doing for him could almost become more important to us than he is. We got to keep him first. I hope you got what I'm saying there. I mean, these people were doing some good stuff, but in the process of all of that, they lost their vigor for the Lord. They he. He was no longer first place in their life. Much could be said, and I probably won't get everything said that needs to be said here, but they had a lot of good things going on. But somehow or another, they lost their first love. He was no longer first. Jesus was no longer first to them. I mean, that's one thing that I tried my best to do at Summit Church over the years that we were on location, is I tried to always keep Jesus First, we had a sign out front that thousands of people drove by and I always tried to keep Jesus's name on that sign as much as I could and exalting him and and, and telling people how to get saved by placing their faith in Jesus. I, I always tried my best 
to, to do that and keep him first. Oh, there's a lot of churches where Jesus isn't the central focus. I mean, you know, as much as I like donuts, donuts shouldn't be the central focus of a church service or the cafe, you know, where you come in and get the coffee and the donuts before you go. I'm not against coffee and donuts, but my goodness, coffee and donuts shouldn't be the central focus of the church. It should be J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. He must be our first love. All the different programs and this and that and the other. I mean, those are all good, but that should never be the central focus of a church. A church, the central focus should be Jesus. And the, the, the teaching of the Word of God, the worship of the Word of God, and the fellowship we have should be, you know, around Jesus. Just think if we got together after church in the in the lobby there, we were talking about Jesus and all the good things that he, he represents and all the good things he is. Boy, I tell you what, that would do away with the gossip, wouldn't it? And the backbiting and talking bad about folk if we're talking about Jesus. But 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 it's so easy to lose your first love. Don't do that. That's why God has me standing here teaching us today. Don't keep God first. Don't lose your first love. It's Jesus. But that's what happened to this church. And he had it against it. He said, you've left your first love. He said, remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Isn't it good that we can remember from where we've fallen? We can repent. Thank God he's given us repentance that we can repent. He said, repent and do the first works. He said, get back to it. Get back and get Jesus back first in your life. Or else, you know what God tell you, or else. He said, or else, said, or else, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, he wants us to repent. What does it mean to remove your lampstand? I'll put it in words that you can understand. That lampstand was is representative of the church. He said, you get this fixed or I'm going to come shut your church down. And you know what? As I've studied it, as time went on down the road, eventually he did shut that church down because they never did repent. It took some time, but eventually down the road, he did shut it down because they left their first love. My, 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 my. They put, much we could say, but they put other things in front of the Lord. You know, when you put other things in front of the Lord, you become an idolater. You know, the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament and New, the whole Bible warns us about idolatry. And, 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 and I tell you what, one way you could lose your first love is you put other things up in front ahead of Jesus. And, you know, I just want to issue this. I want to say this as I close. Because I, I, let me say this first. I, 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 read, I, I was reading about the church in Ephesus and much we could say about it. But one thing that I read, there's an article that brought this up. They, among many other things, they said the church at Ephesus had aligned itself, now they, much, much we could say, but the church at Ephesus had aligned itself with the powers of darkness and embraced the vile, the vile nature of corrupt politics. Now look, I believe in being a patriot. I love the United States. I, I mean, we ought to be involved in, 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 in the political system. We ought to let our voice be heard we ought to pray we ought to go vote and all of that yes 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 but i've watched something in the last i'd say about seven years among christians in the united states now not all of them but a whole bunch of them now i'm talking some big ministers some big churches so, so a lot of christians i had them in my my church and i warned them and warned them and warned them lovingly as I could. But something that happened in Ephesus is they aligned themselves with the powers of darkness and embraced the vile nature of corrupt politics. And what I've seen in this nation of the United States, I've seen over the last seven years, oodles and gobs, multitudes of Christians that have put, I'm going to go ahead and say it, they put Donald Trump ahead of Jesus. Now, God has me standing here and, and this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has to do with your relationship and your closeness to Jesus. Now, you vote for whoever you need to vote for and you do whatever you need to do. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, like I've told many, told many in my church, and I'm, I'm just telling you, we're standing here at the beginning of 2024. Keep Jesus first. Keep him ahead of donuts keep him ahead of little league keep him ahead of 
more important than your job. He's more important than your wife, your husband, your children, your family. And and, and I tell you what, I've seen it though in, in the last seven years. I have watched so many Christians in this land and many in my church and in this land put Donald Trump up ahead of Jesus. And that's dangerous to do. Now, if you've done that, you, you've, you've left your first love. Now, you, you, you know, you do what, you do what you want with Donald Trump. But one thing I am telling you to do, you better keep Jesus up ahead of him. And, and if you're talking more about Donald Trump than you are Jesus, well, that tells you all you need to know right there. And I, and I tell, I warned several people at the church some years back. Some got so mad at me, they just went, like, beat me, so to speak, and they left. And, you know, but, but you know what? I can sleep at night because I told them the truth. You know, let's keep, I mean, who could honestly argue with this, this statement? Let's keep Jesus ahead of Donald Trump. But you know what? I, I, you know, I, I know I asked a, a prayer group. I said, I said, let's pray for souls. And it was, it was deathly quiet. I said, let's pray for Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, people went in. I mean, they just almost started started just, just, you know, praying at the top of their lungs. Well, yeah, pray for Donald Trump. But hey, pray for Joe Biden, too. Uh, he needs it. But <laughs> they all need prayer. But the point I'm trying to make is, is people, I've observed it, and not just in my church, far more excited about Donald Trump than they are Jesus. And I'm just standing here with all the love I can muster. Because I love you, I care care about you. You know, do what you want with Donald Trump, but whatever you do, keep Jesus up ahead of him. Because I, I tell you what, there's something really not good going on among so many Christians, and 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 they've lost their first love, and they've put Donald Trump up ahead of Jesus, and that's a dangerous thing to do, and it's idolatry. It's idolatry. You know that you'll start acting. Uh, like whatever you make, anything you put ahead of Jesus is idolatry. And, and whatever you make an idol of, uh, you'll start acting like that. And I've watched so many Christians start acting, I mean, I mean, just calling people names and being very rude and disrespectful. Christians that wouldn't have done that before. And you become like your idol. You do. And I'll tell you something else. When you have somebody, a man of God, stand or a woman of God stand and try to take somebody's idol away from them, you get in trouble. And you know, I'll close by saying this. Timothy, the pastor of this Ephesians church, you know how he was martyred? Yeah, they killed him. Now, it wasn't necessarily the church. It was the, the pagans of Ephesus. See, he Timothy was a man of God and he got up and he cried out against idolatry and the pagans of Ephesus they beat him with clubs and they drug him through the streets and they stoned him to death because, again, he rebuked the Ephesians for their, their idolatry. And it was the pagans, the, 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 you know, the, the unbelievers primarily. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were some Christians from his church in that group. I'm not saying there was, but there might have been. I know I've had people want to club me and, and beat me for, you know, for... The, for the things I just said about Donald Trump. And I've had people, a lot of people walk away from me over it, but I still stand here and I just feel impressed with the Holy Ghost to just, just as lovingly as I can warn you, hey, you know, do what you want with Donald Trump. It's not, a, this is this what I'm saying to you is not about him. It's about your position. Your, it's about where Jesus is in your life. Don't lose your first love. And if Donald Trump or anybody else has become, or anything else has become more important to you, money or whatever is more important to you than, than Jesus, then you've left your first love, but here's the word of the Lord to you. The word of the Lord to you is, is, is repent. Repent. Repent and, 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 and judge yourself. And, and, and if we judge ourselves, we not be judged and put Jesus back first. But I'm telling you, if you won't do that, there is an or else in here. And, or else, I'll just put it this way, it can cost you. So a word to the wise should be sufficient. And I said this last part here, what I said about Donald Trump at the direction of the Holy Ghost. So, um, I, I, well, that's what the Lord wanted me to say, so I said it. So, and I don't apologize for it. So, hey, first things first, keep God first. Keep the Father, keep the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Keep keep God. 
the Trinity. Keep God first. I tell you what, if you'll do that, uh, things will go well for you, okay? Well, I hope this blessed you today. Hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, repent of your sins. Call on his name. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven when you die is to repent of your sins, turn from the, the sinful lifestyle and, and, and turn to Jesus and receive him as your savior. Call on his name, ask him, invite him into your heart, just like you'd invite somebody into your house. And if you do, if you, you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. If you'll do that and mean it, I tell you what, he'll come in and, 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 and let him have first place in your heart and in your life. I tell you what, one day you'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and you'll, I tell you what, you'll be so glad you did. He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. And hey, you keep him first, you take care of what's his, what's, what's God's, and God will take care of what's yours, okay? Hey, I'll be back, my wife will be with you Wednesday night. She's got, a, oh, she's got a good message coming up. She's going to be talking about Jeremiah the prophet and some things that God's put on her heart. She's been sharing a little bit with me about that. You need to listen to what she has Wednesday night. It's it's good. She's going to do it for a couple of weeks, I think. Good stuff on Jeremiah. You need to hear it. And then I'll be back next Sunday with another message. So we'll see you then. God bless you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.